And welcome back to the Greg Horrendous Show, where today we are honored and privileged to have one of Hackensack's finest, not only basketball coaches, but people, football, basketball, baseball, field hockey. We have Mike Fratello on the Greg Horrendous Show. Welcome, Mike. Greg, you know, I always laugh at that because somebody along the way wrote my resume and put field hockey in there. So they must have felt I was running around wearing a skirt at some time in high school, putting that little ball around because I, was I don't say, remember ever playing field hockey. Every, but I know, you know it's in all the resumes. <laughs> Wikipedia, can, you can, Kenny, you can change things on Wikipedia. And when I saw that, I, I, I was going to double check with you, but let's just, I, I, I think basketball, football, and baseball, we'll, we'll keep it at that. But uh, I really appreciate you being on, Mike, and having you uh, on our airwaves. We have so many great, loyal, Fairleigh Dickinson and Hackensack and Metropolitan area fans. Uh, you're an amazing story. You're, you're a guy. What position, by the way, did you play in football? We have to remember back then we wore high top spikes. We wore our particular school, maybe the last to wear the leather helmets. And you didn't get a cage on your helmet unless you were really, really good or a senior. Right. You might get a cage. Otherwise you had two bars across your helmet. That's right. And we ran, we ran the single wing. So we were one of the last teams, if not the last team in Jersey to run the single wing offense. Yep which, you know, under Tommy Delator, our head coach, uh, he won so many games, so many state championships, and it was just a little bit different for everybody else trying to play us. So, believe it or not, I was a center on offense in the single wing because basically you had to snap it to the right guy, look him between your legs backwards, and then then you took off and you went downfield and tried to knock somebody off uh, downfield. And then uh, defensively, I was a, a linebacker. Back then, before I went to Montclair State and sure. became a defensive back, so that, that's the defensive part of the football. Baseball, were you shortstop, second base? What did you play in baseball? I, I was a catcher, uh, catcher wow. all through high school, and then when I went to Montclair State, I was behind a 27-year-old ex-Marine <laughs> named Jimmy Paravolano. He was our starting quarterback in football, and he was our starting catcher in baseball. So we were really good in baseball, and. Uh, and Carvalho, he'd get tired maybe, uh, you know, 27 years old. If, if we were up like 11 nothing in the right. eighth inning, he'd say, ah, put the kid in, let him play. Give <laughs> me a chance it. to catch the last inning and a half or two innings. And did you play the point in basketball? Or were you like I a – did. You did. You no, I, 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 was, I was just get it, you know, get it up, find the open guys who like making shots and then defend at the other end. That was my job. Mike, you're connected to so many influential people in the game of basketball and in football and in baseball. You're a well-rounded uh, young man. But tell me about the genesis of, of, of five-star basketball and the, and the coach that was up the street that you uh, locked horns with and eventually became one of your mentors. Well, the guy I owe so much to uh, is Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown was coaching – at Fairlawn High School, when I was at Hackensack High School, we were in the NNJL, the league that we played in back then, sure. uh, with Teaneck and Dwight Morrow, Englewood, and Paramus. So, you know, we, we had a, a great league. Hubie was the assistant football coach, head basketball, head baseball, so I played wow. against him in all three. And uh, the one summer, he says to me, uh, 
you know, Mikey, uh, I think it would be great for you if you worked at this five-star basketball camp. Yep. Uh, would you like to do it? And I, I said, Hugh, I'd love to. So he, he calls Garfinkel, Mr. Howard Garfinkel, and sure. says, I got a guy for you. Garf says, great, we'll, we'll take him. He'll be closing back and says, you're all set. And I said, oh, I forgot to ask you, what are the dates? Right. And he said, well, he gives me the dates. And I said, oh, man, you, I said, I'm getting married then. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I, I'm not sure that. I love it. She's going to, like, uh, agree with the fact that we should change the dates or call this thing off the side. I, I can't do it. So, anyhow, I, I didn't know if I'd ever get invited back again. But right. that summer I had a pass on it. And uh, the following summer, uh, Mr. Garfinkel called back again, said, would you like to do it? And that was the beginning of, a, you know, geez, so many years of, of well, working five-star camp. Mike, what was the first year you worked five-star then? In the seven, That was in the 70s? You know, it, yeah, I mean, it had to be... Uh, the year after you were married. 70, uh, 72, 3, right in there, so wow. 2, 3, 4, and, and started out as, you know, one of the coaches working a station and eventually uh, was fortunate enough to follow. The original was was Bobby Knight uh, being the, the head coach of Five Star. Then Hubie Brown was head coach of Five Star. And then I, sure. at one point I was head coach of Five Star and... It just was a great experience, and it just seemed five star kept growing. It started out with uh, one week, then it was two weeks, then next thing you know, it's at three weeks, then it's going into different states and Pittsburgh and sure. West Virginia, and you know, it was the beginning of a huge operation for for youngsters growing up with basketball. No AAU basketball back then, exactly. So it was trying to get to the best basketball camp and compete against the best players. So you're basically working camp, and Garf is running it. UB is a coach. You're a coach. Bobby Knight was there. I mean, Kenny, this is the genesis of 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 the game as we know it today, and. And and it's in, it's incredible, Mike. In regards to you know, you go from there, and then you work with, eventually work with Roly Massimino. It, it just it's just it's an amazing career that you've had, and you've been connected to so many great great people. The, the Jersey connection of coaches, uh, right. as you know, is incredible, and starts out with a guy who happened to coach at one point at Fairleigh Dickinson named Al Lobalbo. Oh, and yeah. yes. all of these people that we're talking about, um, Hubie Brown, Tate Flock, yes. even Bobby Knight because of his affiliation uh, with Coach Labalbo, Richie right. Adubato, Lou Campanelli, Roly Massimino. These are all Jersey guys. A lot of them worked together at the Hillside Swim Club way back when. Wow. And they would, you know, be lifeguards and do their work at, during the day. Then at night they'd play these, these great pickup games. And, sure. Um, and so many of them have gone on to become, you know, just simply great coaches. Just like the list of names we could talk about from Five Star Camp, the guys that you worked with back then that were all 22, 24, 25 years old that, sure. you know, blossomed into these Hall of Fame coaches and have done so well throughout the years. So uh, Jersey produced so many great basketball coaches. It's just incredible. There's no question. Now, now your leap from the Five Star and the high school kind of ranks – to the NBA, and I know you worked for Coach Campanelli at James Madison, and um, you with um, some great, great college people. How did you make that transition to the professional level? I coached in high school one year. I went back to Hackensack High School, was the assistant coach there in football and basketball. And then at the end of that first year, you know, they had no phys ed opening for me to teach, and they promised me 
if I came and just did another thing for the first year, I could coach both sports, and then they would have an opening in the gym in year number two. So I went the first year, had to get certified to teach driver education. So here I am coming out of college at 22 years old, and I'm a full-time driver education teacher. I love it. Uh, You're making four, a ton four of in money. The classroom, uh, yeah. two, uh, four behind the wheel, rather, two in the classroom every day, yep. and then coach football as an assistant, coach basketball as an assistant. So at the end of the first year, I was a little, you know, I was down because I wanted to get in the gym, but they said, don't worry, second year we'll have you in the gym. Well, they have the Board of Education vote, and they vote down the job to add a new gym teacher. So I had to go back. Uh, Back to driver it for the second year, and just sure. then I get a phone call from Hubie Brown, and Hubie says, "Hey, Mike, they need a graduate assistant freshman coach at the University of Rhode Island. Do you want to get into college coaching?" I love it. I take off. I go to I go to Mr. Delator first. I had to get my coach's blessing from high school, okay. and he said, "Yeah, go ahead and go do it." So went to Rhode Island under Tom Carmody for two years as an assistant, then sure. went with Luke Campanelli to Madison College, which is now James Madison University, for three years. They went to Villanova with Rolly for three years. So one year in high school, eight years in college coaching, all as an assistant. Hubie right. Brown calls back and says, would you like to come to the NBA wow. as my assistant with the Hawks? So I went with Hubie three years. Then Kevin Lockery took over in Atlanta, stayed with Kevin for a year. Then went to New York with the Knicks when Hubie got the Knicks job. That's right. So that's five more years as an assistant Jeez. at the pro level. So now it's 13 years as an assistant mm-hmm. and low head job. And all of a sudden uh, the opportunity comes, I guess I should say 14 years counting that high school year. Right. 14 years as an assistant. And all of a sudden I get the opportunity to go back to Atlanta as the head coach. And that, that was it. It's amazing. Kenny, Coach Fratello's, Right now, I, I think they change, but you, you've the 18th most wins in NBA head coaching history and the 21st most games coached. You had a, just about a 55 or 56-game uh, winning percentage. Um, how did you make the transition from being an assistant to a head? Was it a, uh, a difficult one for you, or was it um, – what, what kind of a process? How do you feel moving over those – 24 or 48 inches? You know, when I was going through the different situations with the different guys, I'd always say to myself, do you think you're ready yet to be a head coach? Right. And I, I never was one of the guys that was sitting there saying, like, oh, God, i got to be a head coach right now. I have to be right. a head coach next year. I'm going to be upset. I I always said to myself, do you think you're ready yet? Have, do you have enough? Do you Have you seen enough? Have you learned enough? Have you been through enough? And I always kind of felt in my head, you know, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. So sure. uh, with the guys I was under, all all great basketball coaches, my high school coach was a terrific right. basketball coach. And now all of a sudden when the time comes, I can tell you this just personally, Yes, when you get the job, all of a sudden you get nervous and say, uh-oh, am I ready for this? Right. Am I ready to go step in and, and run an NBA franchise? But I'd been in the NBA five years and been under you know Hubie for four of them and Kevin Lockery for the other one. So right. I, when the chance comes, you you don't turn those things down. You, you you go after them, and unless you're a very special talent that everybody wants you in the world, you can make you can pick and choose. But other than that, when you get that offer, you get that opportunity. You go in there, you roll up your sleeves, and you say, "Let's let's make the most of this because this may be your only shot 
at doing it. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, is, is you were prepared because I think I look at you, Coach, as, as, as not only a coach but a teacher. And you said you started in the classroom, even though it was, you know, driver's ed. But, you know, when you go to a clinic uh, run by UB Brown and you go to a practice run by Mike Fratello, Kenny, it's teaching. It's just not coaching and calling out plays. The fundamentals, and the thing that has always impressed me about you, Coach, is your preparedness. You're totally uh, involved and prepared for everything that you do. And I think, you know, UB, he's he's the five-star general in regards to that. So I I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, looking at you, uh, I I look at you as – is almost uh, is more of a teacher than a than a coach. Is that is that a fair assessment? I think it's part of you know who you grew up under and how they did it. And uh, with UB, I was blessed. And, and the same thing with Roley uh, at Villanova. They were head coaches that were not afraid to give their assistant coaches responsibilities right. and put them under fire by making them do it on the floor with the guys, as opposed to a number of head coaches, you, the assistants stand around the outside of the court, That's right. and they listen and they watch, but the head guy wants to do everything. He wants to do it all. He's going to do it all. That was not the nature. They, they gave me and other assistants of theirs the chance to get in there, try to gain the respect of the players, uh, put them under the pressure of his there's 12 corporations in front of you right now in the NBA, and you've got to get these 12 guys to believe and do what you want them to do, and that's part of the growing process. So uh, when you do eventually get your opportunity, uh, yes. you, you tend to do a lot of the things that you saw and liked and right. learned under the people you work for, and then you try to get a little creative in some areas that maybe you know you have going through your mind you've always wanted to do or you believe in, and sure. you make your decisions along the way, and Players know. Players know whether That's right. you know what you're doing. They know whether you're giving them the right stuff. And if they know that, then they believe in you. And if they believe in you, they'll work hard. And they, they know they have a chance going into the game. They know they have a chance at the end of the game because yes. if they believe you're going to make the right decisions and adjustments, that's a big plus for you. Coach, in regards to you now, how much do you miss – I mean, your mind, you're, I mean, you're a young man still. Do, do you ever just say, God, I wish we had practice today. I, I wish I could coach this game tonight. And I know it's a different game than it was back in the 70s and 80s and 90s and, and so forth. But h- how much do you miss coaching? Coaching is, is part of you. It's part of, it's part right. of your life, a right. significant part of your life. So uh, when you have coached, as many years as I was fortunate, you know, to coach in the NBA, it was as a head guy, 16 years as an assistant in the NBA, five years. So it's 21 years in the NBA right. uh, coaching. Uh, all of a sudden, when you're not coaching a team, you know, that juice wants to get going again. It wants to flow. Again. Right. I've been blessed. I've been blessed by being able to do the TV and yes. stay close to the game and, and be able to stay on top of these young guys coming in the league as we replace uh, players every year. And, that's just the nature of what happens. You know, some guys right. are fortunate. They wind up with great teams. They have very long careers. They keep going. They stay with one team a, a good amount of time. If they get fired, there's another team waiting for them. Other guys get their chance. Right. They don't They don't get a chance to be a head coach 16 years. Uh, it just doesn't work out sometimes. Exactly. And they're not good coaches. It's just 
sometimes the circumstances and the players not being good enough and injuries that take place, a guy loses his job and he doesn't get another chance. Sure. So I feel blessed along the way that I had three Amen. opportunities as a head coach. And uh, if, if it came along, would you like to do it? Of course. It's, it's, a, it's part of what your life has been all about. But sure. I'm fortunate that I bounced over into this other area when I was yes. done with coaching. We're speaking to Mike Fratello, the 1985-86 NBA Coach of the Year. Uh, now the progression to the czar. What? When was the day that you were that you were deified, and who gave you the name the czar, and 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 all the history behind that and name and, and the profession that you're in now? Way back when, for those who can remember, CBS. <laughs> had the rights to NBA basketball, and NBC came in and outbid them when the contract was up. So mm-hmm. NBC was getting the rights to NBA basketball for the first time. They had never done it before. So sure. we had uh, auditions took place. Uh, kind of an interesting story. Pat Riley and Chuck Daly sure. were hands down the two guys that NBC wanted and thought they were getting to do the games, be the color analysts on, you know, Team A and Team B sure. uh, of broadcasting, and then as it went a little bit further along, and they started negotiating contracts and monies, mm-hmm. Chuck said, "I think I'm going back to coaching." <laughs> so Chuck took, he took I think the Jersey job at that time, and that's right. Uh, Pat wanted to be in the studio. He didn't want to do the color uh, of the games. He wanted to be a studio host. And they said, "Wait a minute, you've never done that before." And he said, "Well." teach me and I'll learn and put somebody alongside me that's good and we can have two of us be the host so all of a sudden Bob Costas is sitting next to Pat Riley so both guys that they thought were going to be the color analysts wound up doing something different so now I had auditioned for the sideline job I get a phone call and all of a sudden I'm like the candidate for the color analyst position so uh, I go back in with Costas we did an interview or audition I should say um, and then the next guy I had to meet with was Marv Albert because he was going to be their sure. number one guy on the on the number one team. And everything went well. They offered me the job. They said, you'll be working with Marv. You'll do the NBA All-Star Game. You'll do the finals. You'll do the Olympics. You'll win in 92 Olympics. And wow. all of a sudden, you know, that's that's my new job with NBC for three years. It was sensational. And it felt because we had never worked an NBA game before, let's do something before we get to the season. So I can remember the day, it was August 5th, and Magic Johnson used to get the rights to the forum. It was in his contract he could have the forum for one day. He'd run this Magic Johnson Summer Midnight Madness Classic or whatever, and the monies would go to charity. Gotcha. He'd call all those NBA guys and say, come on in. So they said, let's go broadcast that game. We'll make believe we're going to broadcast that game. We'll put it on NBC during the summer, and you guys kind of do the game so you can work together. So we come on the air, and it's a single shot of Marv. Welcome, everyone, to NBC right. and the NBA on NBC. And, you know, so happy and excited. And then they widened the screen. I said, and he said I'd like to introduce you to my new partner, the czar of the telestrator, Mike Fratello. <laughs> Nobody knew he was going to do it. Nobody knew he was going to say it. Yes. But he had, you know, in his mind, because of the times we had worked together, and he saw me. Right. When they asked me, have you ever used this before? I said, no. But when they, you know, put it in front of me and I started playing with right. it, they said, oh, you've used this already. I said, no, it's what we do in coaching every day. We draw a diagram. Exactly. We draw 
X's and O's and lines and arrows, and that's that's what we do every day. So yes. it, it came relatively easy as far as that. Now, if the machine failed, that's a different story. But right, you know what I mean. August fifth is the day you remember that you were called the Czar by Marv Albert in the L.A. Yep. Forum. Yep, exactly. What's your thoughts, Coach? And time is ticking, man. It flies on the current status of the National Basketball Association. I like a lot of things about, you know, what's going on now in the league. There's, yep. There are some things that I'm not so sure. Um, you know, the, the money right now has gotten to the point of, I'm not sure, normal, uh, the normal people that go to work every day from, you know, 9 to 5, 8 to 5, whatever right. the hours are. I'm not sure they get a chance to relate to that, some of these numbers that have gone on because of the TV contracts and the money that is produced. Yes. Uh, and therefore... There's a large responsibility on NBA players to really think about what you do, what you say, how you act, because so many people that are allowing us to have our jobs are hardworking people that, that make you know, some of them minimum wages, but they save it up to be able to go to a game and, and watch you play and cheer for you and root for you. And right. uh, it's, it's an extra burden, an extra added on responsibility that you have Yes. And to take the attitude like, hey, that's not my, my call. I, I'm playing basketball, getting paid this kind of money. You're missing the point. You yeah. got to this kind of this kind of money because of the way the guys before you handled themselves. Amen. How Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan, how those guys were perceived, how they acted way back when to turn the NBA around when we couldn't even get NBA games championship series on in prime time. Right. Live. Delayed. You couldn't have them on yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, and how far they came because of guys that did it the right way, acted the right way, played hard, and you know produced a different image, which the public accepted. Sponsors bought in, and now all of a sudden we have this great uh, industry, the NBA, that is worldwide. Uh, and can you ever imagine what it would be like if we ever took Chinese Basketball League Association, the CBA? Yes. and brought them in as part of the NBA, which we do so much with them right now. Right. But I've had the two of them locked in together sometime. You had the Chinese Pro League over there where guys who didn't make the NBA are going over there signing contracts now anyhow. Yes. So you'd have a lot of guys over there. Then you'd have, obviously, uh, the Chinese players growing up and developing. At one point, five years ago, right, there were over 207 footers in China. Wow. Over 200. And that was five or six years ago. So who knows what the, it is right now. The, we we uh, got to get over there, Kenny. Yeah, you better get you better get your recruiter over there right away. How was the Ukraine experience? I had a lot to touch on, but uh, you went over there and turned that entire country around uh, by yourself. How did you like doing that? It was great. Uh, we went over for four years. And in the beginning, uh, I was asked by Sasha Volkov, Alexander, Sasha Volkov, who I had drafted, and he played for me in Atlanta with the Hawks. Well, he became the president of the Basketball Federation in Ukraine, called one day and said, would you come and coach the national team? We need to kind of get this thing back on track. And I said, Sasha, it's a big job. I said, it's going to take take money because I want to bring six people over with me. And he came back and said, you got it. What do you need? Let's do it. So I brought six coaches from the United States over with me, awesome. and then I hired two more 
over there that were Ukrainian former players. One was Slava Medvedenko, who played for the Lakers and won two championships. He's from the Ukraine. And then Dennis was my other assistant over there who played uh, many years on their national team and as a pro. So those are my two guys, one at each end of the floor, along with my assistants all over the place. And one of the greatest experiences of taking these guys who were hungry and we got rid of the old-timers that kind of really didn't want to be there, but playing for the national team probably got them a few extra bucks here or there. Sure. Uh, so we kind of cleaned it out after year number one and brought all young guys. We had all 21, 20, 19-year-olds. And I said, this is going to be the foundation that we build with. And three years later, we were in the first World time Cup. ever the country qualified for the World Championships and yes. played the United States in, in our, our group uh, in the World Championships. From Hackensack to the Ukraine, and now you're in Cleveland, do you have any ducats for the Yank- for the series? And what's, what's your prognosis? What do you think? I know you're a huge Yankee fan. Well, you know I cannot tell a lie. So, therefore, I, I have to admit that we did start this show, and I asked you for a timeout. Very it true. A, not a, it wasn't a 20-second timeout. Very true. Was a, I said I need a full timeout. Full timeout, Kenny. In a row to, to take the call and get the Yankee tickets I love for it. the game tonight and tomorrow. We got it done. I love it. We're airing on Saturday at noon, so we'll be into the series a bit. But do you think uh, – we can, I know you're a Clevelander now. Do you think the Yankees can upend the Indians? Uh, this is going to be a great series because both teams now are knocking the cover off the, bat, off the ball oh. as far as you know, how they're playing offensively. I mean, yes. They're both scoring a ton of runs. They're getting long balls when they need it. They're getting timely hits when they need it. Yep. And last year, let's face it, uh, Francona for Cleveland did a masterful job of using his pitchers. I mean, it was nothing for him yes. to use five, six pitchers, seven pitchers in a game. Right. And Joe Girardi recently has been shuffling pitchers well, in and out. To. So That's right. We'll see. We'll see who starters can last four, give, give them four or five good innings if they can. Then the middle guys have to come on and hold the fourth down. Meanwhile, you've got some big bats coming up. So I, I, I think it's going to be a great series. Hey, Mike, you can do baseball, basketball, football, and I bet you we can throw field hockey in, too. Why don't you do it all, man? You... Bocce. Bocce's the other one. <laughs> and hey, bocce. It's going to be the bocce court, okay? That's hey, it. Hey, the next time you're back in Hackensack, I need to have you at one of our practices, man. We go hard. We got humble kids. You really like what we're doing. We went to the NCAA tournament two years ago. We're trying to go back. I'll try to get Aaron Taylor over from Hackensack High School, and we'll have a big... Uh, Homecoming for Mike Fratello, the czar. How's that sound? That would be sensational. I'd love to be there. I want to watch one of your practices. I heard they're great. Aaron Teller's done a terrific job at Hackensack High School. Very proud of him. Very proud of what the team has done. And I'll wait for that invitation. I'll wait for a day to get up there, and I'll you be got it for sure. Mike, thanks so much, and good luck with a great NBA season. And we'll stay in touch. Thanks for coming on the Greg Horrenda Show. Thank you, Coach. Good luck. And we'll be back with more after this. Hi, this is Kerry Kittles, former New Jersey Net. Whenever I'm watching my Villanova Wildcats, I'm listening to the Greg Arenda Show on WFDU.